Hello and welcome. Hello. To See, I'm putting in, man. You've got you've got got Tourette's loon on the other end of the phone. Hello and welcome Hello. to another episode of Crippled Stump. Uh, my name is Shabazz Bahamid, and today I'm in conversation with. Can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, I'm a client. Sorry, say See, that that's again. It, that's it, man. Sorry, say that again. Yeah, I'm Clive. How are you doing? How are you doing, Clive? You all right? I'm all right, man. Are you? Yeah, yeah, it's good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, so uh, I've known Clive for a long time throughout the years, and I just thought it'd be uh, this would be a great opportunity to have a chat with him about his life and other stuff. And just have yeah. a general conversation. Right, so just to kick us off, Clive, first question is, uh, you're an artist, yeah? And, uh, yeah? What do you think made you become an artist in the first place? So no, you think back to school, don't you? Like your first talents that shone through or your passions. And I, I could, I think right back to junior two, what was that? When I was about eight, I remember doing doing a sketch of a hand and a lot of other kids were just doing these potato hand things and I, I just did the pretty pretty decent drawing of a hand and that, that was the, you know, the class was kind of blown away. I suppose it's like a natural instinct for hand-eye coordination, whatever, and then from then, from there, I don't know, it's the only thing I was decent at at school. You can say you're like, copying out in the art class or whatever. And I did well in me uh, in me all level art and then yeah I remember people talking about commercial art and I was like it didn't really I'm like what's commercial art? It's like how do you straight away it's how you make a living in it. It's like straight away people are saying how do you make money? How are you gonna survive? What's what's your future? You know what what how are you gonna and people I was like what can you do with art? And people were talking about commercial art and didn't make any sense to me, really. I ended up doing a foundation at Same Side Tech. And um, I don't know if you know Christopher Feely. Manchester artist. He won the Turner Prize in 2000, I think. Captain Shit. Captain Shit will save the day. He's the guy with the elephant dung. He, he sold elephant dung on uh, Camden Market or some market in London. Like brought some ele- elephant... He got... So I'll go off on the, the life of Chris Ophelia. But anyway, yeah, Chris was the year above me in the foundation in Ashton, you know, Thames Head Tech. And um, yeah, just always just a passion for drawing, like visual language, I suppose. Was it, so did it start with just uh, the passion for drawing and then... It, did it develop into painting or was it just is it still mainly drawing I think it's like like saying the academic side of things you go off and do a foundation and you just do everything don't you you know they'll throw ceramics at you you'll do a bit of printmaking you'll try oils out watercolours textiles it's a full grounding in every you know it's all the different it's just, just different media different mediums and um, 
you can see, keep it simple with a bit of paper and a pencil. That's your drawing. That's all anyone needs, really. But the minute you get into colour, it's another world, isn't it? Yeah. It's all medium, isn't it? And and they can become quite expensive, don't you think, after a bit? Yeah, yeah. Which is uh, a good uh, contemporary shift there. For basically, over the in between, for, you know, everyone's going through the, well, we're coming out of lockdown, hopefully. But in between the first lockdowns, was it September, October? Yeah. Uh, went to get some art supplies and paper chasing town, you're on St. Anne Square. Yeah. You're having a basically closing down sale. So I nearly I pretty much bought the shop out. I had a bit of money and, you know, he's, it, it was a three-quarter sale. They were just clearing everything off you. But, but yeah, gear can be expensive. That's what I mean. It's like, just use a pencil. Use a yeah. pencil and paper. Well, then you got to get the paper. Well, about yeah. some Amazon packaging? Just drawing cardboard, you know. Yeah, it's it's ironic though, isn't it? Because you you say that you just use a pencil and paper, but then you say you've ended up buying half the shop out. You know. I know. So, I know. It's terrible. Yeah. There was like. It was just a sign of uh, sign of the times as well of like why they were clearing the. Why they were clearing the shop out? Yeah, you know a lot. A lot of it's basically business. Who's buying paint? Yeah, and everyone, everyone's working online or doing you know with the tablets and working on the MacBooks and you know who actually picks? It's this thing of like dematerialization, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, like everyone's just sort of doing everything digitally. Like, what are these hard objects? You know, you're going to make a, you're going to make a canvas. You're going to make a stretcher. You're just going to have it all like clean and tidy in your in your laptop or can you use the laptop? Is the laptop is it's becoming another medium, isn't it? You, you, you know, people scan images in and then manipulate them and then scan them into the tablet and then add, get it into paint and then print it out or something. It's, you know, the digital realm seems to be taking over and I'm, maybe I'm just a bit uh, old school. Are you not into that? Again, that's money as well, isn't it? It's, you need money for a laptop, don't you? You want a quality... You want to get up in the game on that. Everyone's it's not advertising MacBooks or anything, but it's everyone's got a two grand laptop, you know, to even like, you know, just just to have your basic basic medium. My my laptop fried at the beginning of it was like a Windows Ten thing, fried at the beginning of uh, lockdown. So, so it's like, can you this thing of harboring holding on to old gear? You know, you can't have took it into PC world last week and it is, it's to try and do a data recovery. So that all my gear yeah. documented, everything photographed. And it's gone, man. It's looking like it's gone. What what did they say happened to it? Well, they opened it up and there was like this great, this black guns coming out of it. You can, you know, it's uh, it's basically like a sort of you know, decent ten year old, ten year old like Windows ten thing. Yeah. And it's just, uh, yeah, the black guns. The black guns, Chavez. Chavez, Chavez. Yeah. Call me whatever you like. Uh, Yeah, as you always do. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, but that that seems a bit of a bummer, really. uh, Yeah, this, this is one of the reasons I don't trust. 
I don't know. Yeah, technology can crash at any any instant, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, but you. What about the name? Going back to the name thing. Going back to the name thing. It's the uh, crucible, isn't it? All I have is my name. Yeah. Start start calling me Shabazz or Shabazz. Call me. Yeah. Like it come on, matter. all I have is my name. Proctor, <laughs> in it. Yeah, as long as I get acknowledged, I'm not bothered. Is that Arthur, Arthur Miller? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so could we go back a bit? Like, uh, yeah. Because you, cause you studied abroad as well, didn't you? I, I got scholar. Yeah, this was the other side. I, was, I used to be a good runner. And uh, I got a scholarship to America. And um, so I went over there for five years between 1990 and 1995. That, yeah, as far as like a, a sort of um, your average path, that's the bit that changed me for sure. You know, five years just outside Detroit in a place called Ypsilanti. But Ipsy Turkey, where yeah. Iggy Pop grew up. Was there, was there a good place though? The bloody madhouse, America, absolute madhouse. Yeah, it was brilliant, man. Brilliant. But I mean, I was at uni, so I was kind of, um, in a sense, closeted from the re- reality of, you know, living in America. But I could, I, I could see what was going on around me just once I stepped off the campus, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough, tough place, America, man. Yeah. What was uh, having a scholarship like? Oh, it was a brilliant opportunity. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I got in just after my foundation course. I got in a London school. I got in Harrow, but uh, this, again, I was offered this this scholarship. So it was a decision between, you know, opportunities. Man, it was it's good to have the opportunity. It was either study in London or uh, studying in America. And I went for the yeah. In a, in a sense, I was young as well. I was only nineteen, so it was in a sense I was seeing how far I could push the athletic. You know, I had to see how good I could get. Yeah, but. I was painting at the same time and studying art history, doing sculpture. What happened with the athletics then? Oh, your body breaks down, doesn't it? Kind of, yeah. your body gets old. Well, it is, we're beautiful when we're young, when we're wise when we're old. Yeah. Your body's going to go, man. Your body's going to go. But, uh, but what, what, how would you compare the two? Passions than the art and the running. Did you have the same sort of passion for running? But in it, start getting into Greece. You're bloody not Greece. Greece, that bloody film that they've put on a million times over lockdown. Oh, right. You know, the, the jocks and the burnouts. Yeah. It was just funny over there because it's like I'd train with the, the, the track team, you know, yeah. do a 10 mile session, and then I'd have to burn over to, and go and paint all night. So the, the and like a lot of the artists, they, you know, they did they didn't know as a jock, and a lot of the jocks didn't know as an eyes. So it's it's sort of dual identity, you know. It's like again, you could, yeah. It was again, it's everything's sort of over there. It's like again, I didn't grow up at a high school thing, but it's things. It's not exactly compartment compartmentalizing. Yeah, but it's. Uh, as far as identity over there, it's like people, that's that's what I see in my naive sort of 19-year-old kind of, a, yeah, vision. That's what I, I, Greece, yeah, there's a lot of truth in, 
there's a lot of truth in Greece. What, what, what do you mean? Even though it's a musical. What do you mean? Did you experience some of that? Or? Yeah, there were, again, but that's, again, it's, it's going back to youth. Eh? It's like it's the people that couldn't comprehend when they found out I was a runner. They didn't get it. You know, they're like the eyes that found out I was a runner. They didn't get it. But, it's, yeah, it's funny. People are funny, aren't they? And a lot of the, the athletes, yeah, people just didn't get it. Did, did it's you... It's not that uh... radical, is it? It's not that radical, you know, being keeping fit. And maybe it's the discipline, I suppose, to get a painting finish. You've got to, you know, you've got to discipline and focus. But then... Some artists would say that's just it, you know, it's just, it's, it's nothing to do with that. That is like, yeah, in a sense, it is an American sort of, you know, grafting things through and working hard. And yeah, but you, but you said at the start that you weren't any good at anything else other than drawing, but you have to be fucking good to get a scholarship. And get offers left, right, and centre to join certain uh, institutions. You know. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess so. So, well, yeah. again, it was. It was. It was definitely. I broke my leg when I was thirteen. That was um, bloody skiing in Scotland. So, yeah, that wasn't ideal for being a runner. It's like it took me a good couple of years to get back because it was pretty good. I, I think we're going right back to the past, isn't it? When it was about twelve, I was it was a half decent runner. Yeah. Oh, going going backwards, going back and back again, and asthma when you're a kid and you can't breathe. Asthma kid. I knew. But athletics running, you know, it helps my breathing. You know, it stretched. You know, you you get a bigger lung capacity. Yeah. Well, I say I broke my leg when I was 13 and then it took me a couple of years. And then by the time I was 15, 16, I was sort of coming through in Greater Manchester as, an, as a runner and then 17, 18. Yeah, I was, I was up there in the juniors or whatever in, the, in Britain. And then I was when Coach Parks, who's just sadly just died. Um, he I just got a phone call off him, you know, from America. How about you, Shabazz, oh. man? Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Charlton. Uh, yeah. We've had that We've had that conversation before you started recording. Yeah, but uh, I haven't had anywhere near as varied life as you have, you know? So, you know, um, so, yeah, it's uh, just been... A, been lucky. Yeah, but you've... You've obviously put put in a lot of work as well, you know, and you sell yourself short quite a lot. That's what I've noticed. Or maybe it's a humble brag, I don't know. Humble brag, yeah. But, um, but you've always yeah. got to watch, you just watch your ego or whatever, innit? Yeah. So, Check your ego. So... When we talk about buying and art, doing art and painting and stuff, and you're always saying that nothing ever gets finished, right? Yeah. So if you connect that to your running, with running, you've got a finish line 
already marked out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. How do you connect those two things together? How come you can't get that finish line in the artwork? Yeah. It's true. It's, that's a good question, man. Well, I do try, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's... Um... Well, maybe there's the there's the difference, I suppose. Yeah. It's um. I mean, I always get it down to like art is life. So yeah. a, a, a running a race is just a small section of it, you know, a small chapter in in life. It's like I think it was Peter Doig that said, "You don't have to finish painting until it's going out the door," and that's the thing of getting into dealers and galleries or having agents. They come and like sniff around your studio and say, oh, yeah, we'll take that away and sell that. But if, you, if you're not if you're not represented by a gallery, if you're not exhibiting, you know, I, I end up, it's this maximal thing as well. I, I got, you know, it's like from minimalism to maximalism. Yeah. Is it a, is it a micro to the macro or whatever? It's all this. this yeah. It's, it's like if it works, never finished. It's like I've, I've I've set myself up into this sort of maximal mode where it's layers and layers and layers and layers. Hmm. Maybe it's like a, I don't know if you know Leon Kossoff. No, uh, I don't actually. London uh, painter, ridiculously sort of thick paintings. But it's like London, London school. Yeah. yeah. I'd have been, you know, it's a big institutional London School of Painters, isn't it? It's like sort of Royal Academy establishment. I I just had a thought. I was like, I just thinking then that I was, I was like, maybe you don't want to finish the painting because you don't want to get into the commute, the the actual selling part of it or the actual exhibiting part of it. Because I I know from knowing you that you. You don't like that element of it, so maybe that's a part of why they never get finished, to some degree. Because you know what, finish you have to do something with it, or you have to just leave it. So you might as well keep going and going, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely an issue. I mean, it's it's a. I don't know. I think Rembrandt said is yeah, you know, the, the the painting's finished when not calling himself a master by any says, but I think it was Rembrandt that said the painting's finished when the master says it's done, you know. It's like yeah. when you but it's it's time progression as well. You look back on you look back on something you did, and it's just like it's lame ass, you know, it's there's very few images that sort of hold it's like living with work. You, you just with your eye, you're just picking things apart, and you're just like, I, I can change that, I can be better, yeah. change it again, go back into it. But you got to know when to leave it alone, man. But for example, right, what happens with your paint if you die tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. You know what yeah. would you what would you want to happen with them? Well, there was a last. Um, Last that died at Rogue Studios last year. She was um, before lockdown. Yeah. So it's Kate. Kate Davis. Do you know Kate Davis? I don't think so. But go on. 
And um, basically, that, I mean, she was selling her work. She was exhibiting, I think, to a certain extent. I didn't know her that much, but I'd, I'd definitely seen her paintings around Manchester. And yeah, she, she, everyone says passed now, don't they? Passed on. She yeah. Died, but, um, and basically, everyone at Rogue has taken her work. You know, they, so something's happened with it. She had canvases and canvases and canvases. Yeah. I said, what are you going to do with these objects? It's, it's whether anyone finds any value in a minute once you're gone. Yeah. So, yeah, because uh, have you, I'm, not, I'm obviously not wishing death on you, but I'm thinking the amount of stuff that you've got, you know, you know, if something happens to you, somebody's going to land on a treasure trove, you know? Yeah. And to them, they're going to be finished pieces of work. I mean, well, to you, they might not be, but to them, they might go, oh, yeah, that's finished. Yeah. You know? Well, the number of sort of drunken rows I've had with people, like people screaming at me and saying, oh, so it's shit out. You know, you're going to die and it's, there's going to be no context to all this work. There's going to be all this pile of work. And I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't, bad enough, mate's kicking off. It's like, I don't know. What about oh. that Black Swan guy? Do you know that Black Swan guy? Yeah. It's Celeb Nicholas, is it? Yeah. Nicholas. Yeah, yeah. Come quite, come quite late to him. Isn't he a controversial figure? A little bit, but everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> I've got yeah. a little quote about, about the expression thing. Yeah. I think it's D.W. Uh, Winnicott communicating and not communicating is like a psychologist. There's something about the desire to express oneself and the anxiety that it provokes. Yeah. What is this? I mean, it seems like it's not going about bourgeois values, isn't it? What is it? I'm just going to express myself. I mean, what's that all about? Why do you, why do you want to express yourself? Why do you need to express yourself? I think you thought about this with Lowry, didn't you? Yeah. Mind you, I was spent. I spend a lot of time talking about expressing myself. And, you know, uh, I suppose this show, podcast is a way of expressing, to me, it's a form of art, you know? Yeah. You know, it's another way of, because I, I because I genuinely think the only thing I could do well is, well, half decent is communication. Everything else yeah. I'm fucking shit at, you know? Yeah. You know, no, it's it's tempting or cultivating your mind, man, isn't it? It's yeah. definitely tempting. So, like, say, all the, I suppose that's where conceptualism comes into it with the visual arts. Like, everything's it's become a strong idea, you know, and it's less less about the graft. Even though, even back in Renaissance days, like the atelier, yeah. it's like you had a, you had a workshop, you know, like ten people working on one canvas. It's like, yeah, it's the old Jeff Koons bullshit, isn't it? It's yeah. like he's, he's paying paying people to work for, work for him, but you're cultivating your mind, man. Yeah. But I would give you one bit of advice, right? Yeah. Just so that nobody makes a shitload of money off your work, I would have it written down that it goes to a char- to a charity or something. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can fucking fuck with it once you're gone. Well, you, you sound me to write a will now. Not, like, not write a will, just like yeah. two, li- two lines, you know? Because I've seen the amount of stuff you've got and it's hell of a lot. Yeah. You know? 
Wait, this is the final bit of that. I'm final not telling you quote. to do anything with it or anything. Well, it's like I've been told about like the tree clapping and a hand clapping, one hand clapping, the tree falling in the in the forest and all that business. Yeah. No one sees it. It's like, are you an artist unless no one sees it? But it's like, it's like the end of that quote, the urgent yearning to be known and the more urgent need to keep oneself hidden. Yeah. To keep parts of what keep parts of oneself hidden. So it's, it's ambiguous, isn't it? It's contradictory sort of a scenario, isn't it? Why? Yeah. But is there any privacy now, though? But but there must have been that thing within you somewhere anyway. Because think about it, or, or naturally, or think about it like this, right, for example. If you were, were going to be a Olympic runner, for example, you would have been known... If you were successful in doing that, you know, you would have been yeah. known as an athlete. Or or you're good you're good at art, so you you may be good you may be you may be in certain circles. I mean you you are well known as an artist, but you know, not not commercially and I understand the reasons why why that is I respect that. I'm just saying you need to do what you're comfortable with. Don't listen to me or, or anyone. Just do what you want to do. It's got you this far. Oh, so just still breathing. That's the main thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about breathing, can I take it down a different angle? Could I ask oh. you, like, I know people listening to this won't know this, won't know this, but in a... In a Good ten years ago, you had you had an accident as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've ended up in a wheelchair, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to ask you, in the in the context of art, how do you think the art has changed your? How do you think the accident has changed your artwork, or has it at all? Well, yeah, straight away it's like um. Reassessment, re- reappraisal. And like, I know it means something now, otherwise I would have burned it all, you know? So, yeah. Like, say you're reassessing everything, like the value of everything. What, what is important? I've obviously clinging onto it, clinging yeah. on with the, the bloody Toronto Eston to my cold, dead hands. They won't take my brushes off me. And my cold, dead hand. You know, National Rifle Association and all that business. Yeah. Did it? Do a hashtag Nasserai for NRA there, NRA quote. Oh, going all there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's harder moving canvases around now. I've, got, I've still got these big canvases and yeah, it's, it's hard work moving. You know, like I say, I should get it down to a bit of paper and a pen. That'd make it a lot simpler. No, no, I'm, I know you well enough now not to tell you what to do because. You know, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting to you to do anything. I'm just saying do what you feel comfortable with. But what I was asking you is, visually, has has your disability kind of affected your your visual art? You know, not in terms of practicality, but in terms of actually what you put on the canvas. Has that changed in any way? Do you think? Oh. Uh. 
You know Francis Bacon, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it gives me its excuse to make really rotten shit. Really, really rotten shit. You know, like David, you know, rot, rotten David Lynch. Have you seen some of David Lynch's early? Did you see that Art Life film? Yeah, yeah. Like the shit he was making in his cellar when his dad came along. and Yeah. Well, that, that's a good point, actually. Did you ever see his exhibition that they that they owned on at on home? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I went, I went about three times. Yeah. I thought some of it was brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Enjoyed I thought it. some of it was middle-class wank, you know? Yeah. You know, he, he had he had all the the most expensive gear, but he made it look like, he, you know, he's using all found shit and stuff like that. Middle-class wank. Yeah. What, I asked what, the uh, I asked the um, the attendants there. Yeah, you know the the, the curator, uh, not the curators. The last is that, uh, you know, when when the show was down, I said, "Are you going to miss it?" And they were like, "No." Yeah. No. So, but, I mean, if you live if you live if you're living with the work every day, you're working with it. Yeah. It's like if you put if you're putting negative shit into canvases. Yeah. He's a gutsy artist, man. I thought I don't know if he's this middle. I don't know what's middle class bourgeois. What? Well, he's basically he was making. There's a lot of rotten shit in those in those paintings. Yeah, you know, it's, it's whether you get into aesthetics of like what is beauty, but it's you know, you bring Bacon up. What is art? It's like the big question, isn't it? Yeah. You're so putting neg- negativity. You put negativity into a canvas. Yeah. And then you share it. Why are you like you pass floating your negativity around? You passing it off on other people. But then it's back to abstract expressionism, and it? it's like there's sort of the it's the first time anger was put in, you know, was was given a platform in a sense. It's yeah. like uh, anger; it wasn't about aesthetics, it wasn't about beauty. It's the first time you were putting rage into a canvas. It's like you know, but then it's like this macho. You're getting into gender then as well, like all these macho blokes, like really angry and pissed off at ex- existential angst and putting it into a canvas. It's like who wants to see that? You know, it's like. So, did you think his stuff was good then? I thought some of them were brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did you see the the Philadelphia painting? Yeah, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But uh, yeah. did did you did you think it came from a really like dark place then? I think he's got a lot. He's got a lot of demons. You don't need to be said, does it? Yeah. Like I say, it's like whether you read his language. I, I, I think yeah, he's. I mean, he creates some of his films. Some of those scenes are absolutely beautiful. Yeah. But yeah. he doesn't do that with his. He doesn't do it with his hands-on shit. You know. It's, no. I mean, some of those, even the early, some of those beautiful black and white photographs that he was. He's not photoshopping. He's manipulating them somehow. But there's always something twisted in there, isn't there? There's always, you know... Yeah, yeah. Some of his shots in his films and some of the, you know, in Twin Peaks, and that, just aesthetically, just it's just gloriously beautiful. But again, he's working with people there, isn't he? He's like the cinematographers, production guys. Yeah. I've so got... it's, it's, like, it's like him on his own. Yeah. It's like building building some of the shit in a raise head. And it's like kind of building those sets. Some of the sets are just beautiful, aren't they? It was, he saw him immaculately painted the floor or something. And 
Yeah. yeah, I've got I've got to say I like I prefer his work to his uh, to his full work to his paintings and stuff. Yeah. And uh, sorry, what did you say? Well, so you get me talking, man. I'll just talk talk shit, talk such shit, man. But the, well, um, that's what it, we're it here for. Need, it it's the perfect sort of um, it's perfect example of like the curator, the, the people that you know, the women, the lasses. You'll know the lasses. Can't remember. They didn't want to be around them anymore. You know, if, they, if you're going to work every day, and you know what's 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 that all about? What's what's the point of that? It's like. People want to see it. People want to see it. It's almost like a the ghost train or whatever in the, the haunted house. Yeah. But if you yeah. can't get away from it, you don't want to, you know, you want to, you want to check it a little bit. You have a quick peek into someone's, how twisted things can, can get. You don't want to fucking live with it, do you? Yeah. Do you ever get like that? About that's, that's a lot of disability. It's like, you know, people, it's like when people cross the street, they see you coming along on a wheelchair and like, you see it in their eyes, isn't it? So they're not used to it. I can't deal with this. So I don't want to think about that. I'm off. I'm off here. Yeah, but can and you imagine? Can you imagine what you would have thought if, when you weren't disabled, you know, would you, would you have thought what they're thinking then? Well, do you think? I think I had a. a Again, I nearly died a couple of times when I was a kid through asthma. So maybe that's again everyone's it's life's hard. It's, everyone's you know what what doesn't kill you. I was just and cliches. Yeah, but a cliche is full of cliches full of truth, which is a cliche in itself. What about naked? You like Mike Lee? Yeah, that's what got me into acting. I think watching that's yeah, yeah. See, we, it, it only took me like it only took me half an hour to get back to the acting decision. So when I came back from America, I ended up watching Naked. Yeah. And I saw some of those monologues. Yeah. You know, there's a little dot, the dot went bang. How did you get here? Didn't get here on the bus. How did you get I didn't get on the fucking train either. Yeah. Well, how did you get here? Well, there's a little dot, right? The dot went bang, the bang expanded, energy formed into matter, matter, cool, matter, live. Amoeba, the fist, the fist, the fowl, the fowl, the froggy, the froggy, the froggy, the mammal, the mammal, the monkey, the monkey, the man, the more a mass, a mat. Quid pro quo momentum, or I added a little bit of grated cheese, leave under the grill until doomsday. That's what I thought. If if you can, you know, if you get the right scripts and the right performance, it's just it's, you know, cinema is the is the uh, is the ultimate expression of art, isn't it? Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, for the people listening, I was going to move on to your third string to your bow, which is acting. Which is where I first uh, became aware of you, believe it or not. Uh, I, well, you asked about you asked about half an hour. It's only taken me half an hour to get yeah, get around yeah, yeah. to answering the question. Like yeah. a fucking politician, never answer yeah. the question. Never answer the question. Because maybe maybe it's not worthy of being answered. I don't know. But <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so how does acting fit into? Ah, uh, and the uh, painting then. Where does that come in? Do you think? I say it's just. It's, I think it's simplistically. It's just your body and your voice and your mind, isn't it? Yeah. Don't need anything else. That's what's why it's. Uh, again, well, it's like I was. 
I sent, I think going back to rehab, like, you know, just after my accident, coming, coming from an artist's disposition, you, you know, it's, you can say it's sort of, um, there's an Asperger's, you know, you've just come out of an Asperger's sort of relationship, but it, or is it like the ADHD thing of the artist, like the creative mind? You're all over the fucking place, aren't you, man? But yeah. you, um, if you get it down, so you, you know, you, your mind, your, your voice, and your body, you know, you kind of, then that's, that's theatre, isn't it? That's like, but like film, it's just like a circus, isn't it? It's like if you want to get a good film made, yeah, it's a massive sort of social sort of experiment of like how many people do you need on a film set? Yeah. You could you could do it with a handful, you can do it with thousands. Yeah. Well, is it it's like tangerine, remember that? Did you see tangerine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was fucking quality. It's like that yeah. wasn't that the first sort of iPhone film. Yeah. I mean he had a good he had a good sound setup, didn't he? But it was basically filmed on an iPhone. Have you seen the uh, the Florida project? I like that as well. No, not yet, no, no. Yeah, that was good as well. Uh, yeah, but Tangerine was really good. Uh, and it was done on the micro budget as well. Yeah. yeah. Or all around LA, like using sort of guerrilla gorilla filming, mise en scène, is it? Mise en scène. Mise en scène, yeah. So, mise en scène. So, so you don't say you... it probably, it's like hedonist and hedonist. Yeah. So you, you don't, say, don't say it like that, say it like this. Yeah. So when you were in America, were you ever thinking of going to Hollywood? I went to LA, man. Just a couple, just a long weekend. No, for uh, acting, I mean, did you ever think, oh, no, athletic it didn't even cost me. Out, didn't, I, can, I can do. I've got to say, I, I got to say, it didn't, it didn't cross. Yeah, it didn't cross my mind. It didn't cross my mind, man. Why did you think that would would be like selling out? Do you think? It just it wasn't in my it wasn't in my it wasn't in my head of things. Yeah, I drove across to to a, you know, drove across. Did that delivery thing, you know, when you deliver cars. It's basically like a rich student from Michigan University. Of Michigan is like a expensive uni, you know. It cost at the time it cost about twenty thousand dollars to go to it a year. University of Michigan, you know, one of the big ten schools. Um, but there was a. a student that wanted to, she lived in Santa Monica. So she wanted a car delivered from, she flew home and she left the, you leave the car with a company and then they get someone to drive it across. And we had a week to drive this car across. Um, so Santa Monica, man, it's, yeah. It was, no, I was, I was too, again, you're going to go, go to Hollywood and get chewed up in it. You've got to like, it's like going to New York as a painter. Yeah. You need a team. I think you need a team around her. You've got to have your shit together. You've got to be strong. Yeah. Do you yeah. do you miss America? Yeah, yeah. Again, it was only five years, but it's your formative years, isn't it? Yeah. Like 19 to 25 or so. Would you go back I miss there? The, I miss the people, man. I went back in 2003 with my, with my Coronation Street money. I paid my flight with my Coronation Street money. In an episode of Collie with the, with spiders, one of spiders' mates. Yeah. 
did uh, do you think you'll go back there America again? Oh Jesus, what what do you think he's like there now? Okay, it's, uh, it's gonna be very different to when you first went there anyway. I know, I know you're looking at looking at 20 years now since I've been there. But yeah, yeah. 18, 17 years, man. Since she's there. But yeah, it's uh it's a it's a grey ass country, but it's just, just unfettered capitalism, isn't it? Yeah. So you're getting into you're getting into Mark Fisher then? Yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people he did a lot of work. Oh, it's just mind blowing, man. He did a lot of stuff. Mind blowing. Yeah. It, I can only I got the K Punk politics is just short essays and articles. Yeah, yeah. And I can only li- I can only listen to a couple at a time. It's just, it's definitely sort of sort of some realist vision that gets gets a bit it's a bit depressing if you know if there's speaking truth. Yeah. But and it's a good few years ago now as well. When those were yeah, written. He, yeah, we should say I you know, rest in peace, isn't it? It's just it's, was it twenty seventeen he uh, Yeah took his own life, didn't he? Yeah. So yeah, because I yeah. I was listening to some of it the other day, and some of it starts back in two thousand and five, I think. Yeah, yeah. And he's talking. Well, I think about- he re- then he wrote right for Vice. I think for a while. Did he ever read Vice? Was pretty good at, for a time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, for a bit. It's like a, in a sense, it's like the beginning of the alternate media. So, talking about alternate media. What is selling out to you then as an artist? What would that look like? Uh, it's when you 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 become reliant on um, the pay packet to to, to survive, I suppose, and you become reliant on the. But if you, I mean, it's, if you, as long as you're making. I go, let's talk about making marks, isn't it? But yeah, I don't I know. About, I talk about leaving a stain. Yeah, well, it's back to the handprint on the cave wall, isn't it? What yeah. you know? Why do we need to? Why do we need to let leave a mark? To show you, that, so that we, to show that we exist, man. That's like the existential bullshit. Do do you, do you think that's that's what it is? Do you think there's just something with within us to do that? Do you think, or do you think it's uh, we've uh, learned to believe that? Yeah, you get into the narrative thing, is it? Like we're born into narrative. Yeah, it's like it's like where I don't like narrative in painting or whatever. It's like we're born into a written narrative, or you know, or like Disney's dictating the narrative, or Hollywood's dictating the narrative. Or is it universal consciousness? But then you get into Jungian and archetypes, the Bible, the, the Quran. These are old tales. Or is it, is it a narrative that's being dictated to us, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know this shit, man. Come on. What's yeah, the about narrative? Yeah, what about narrative, man? Yeah, but I'm having a conversation with you and about it and uh, seeing where, what we can you know, get from it because this might be the last conversation 
anybody ever hears of us. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, narrative was always a problem to me, but then he, he's like, he starts, he starts spilling sort of shit you've heard of, isn't it? It's all narrative. Why is there a problem with narrative? I didn't yeah. really know why there was a problem with narrative until I heard, uh, again, Mark Fisher going on about it. So I think yeah. he links it back to Spinoza. So yeah. I can't tell you, but it's, it's, so much, it's just inherited, inherited narratives that we, you know, like the kid growing up watching. It's whether, oh God, that, I don't want to mention Jordan Peterson, but he, he thinks he's not postmodern, but he, he uses postmodern sort of examples. Yeah. You know, like he, he, never, he never shuts up about Disney, about like universal archetypes and that. Because, like, because like, 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 even somebody like David Lynch works with narrative, doesn't he? He tries to fuck it up, though, doesn't he? It's like, you know, like, yeah. what, it, what's the narrative of, of blue, you know, Blue Valley? It's just abstract narrative, or yeah, but the I mean, narrative, not, the narrative is vaguely there, though, isn't it? Is that the narrative? Is having an abstract narrative that's the narrative, or something, yeah, but, but it is still playing on for narrative, isn't it? Like Shabazz, what's 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 Erased all about? About all this about having kids. Yeah, at the time I don't think you want kids or something, yeah. Again, that, that's that's the thing of like respecting him as um because he was nearly in the corner, wasn't he? It's like as far as selling out goes, if you back to that, I mean yeah. I didn't give you any answers to what, what selling out is, but when he got into film school, didn't he? And he, he was getting forced by his parents to saying you should you need to knock this this film lark on the head. Yeah. You're not getting anywhere. You've got a kid now. You should be responsible. Yeah. He had the, whether it was faith in himself, to, to he went off to film school and he cracked it, didn't he? Yeah. No, no, com, no compromise at all. I, I, well, yeah. On a large but scale, what, anyway. That, what, what, the one more, back to David Lynch again. David Lynch taking over the podcast. But the, um, that's funny in that interview he did, and it's like uh, someone asked him, "What would you do if you did you hear that one? What would you do if you got offered like um a big blockbuster sort of Avengers Assemble movie?" Yeah, and did he said, he... "Did you see what he said?" No, I can't. I did, but I can't remember it. You'd have to remember. He said, uh, "I'd look, I'd look around the room, and I'd give it to someone else." Yeah. Uh... Because a lot of his films were funded uh, for, for by French companies in the end, weren't they? Right. He, that's that's definitely interesting, isn't it? Like the sort of uh, European cinema versus Hollywood versus New yeah, York, isn't it? He, like, kind of... like somebody like him really like couldn't, well, not couldn't, but found it, even he found it difficult to get uh, funding in, in America. Yeah. Either that, not, or he, yeah. either that or he just didn't want to do it. Another filmmaker yeah. that really interests me is Charlie Kaufman. You know? With Sonic I know the name, I don't know much. Yeah, but you, you've watched his film anyway. Sonic Ducky New York and... Uh, ah, adapt, yeah, yeah. Adaptation and all that kind of thing. I really well, like... That's the, that's the- the play within the play thing, isn't it? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Cynic, cynic dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then that take that takes us to Hamlet. Yeah. Play within a play. It really does, yeah. 
and uh, what do you what do you what would you say you get the most exhilaration from them? Either like the clapping of the 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 audience at the end of a play, finishing a painting, or or somebody clapping when you've won a race. Out of those three, which one would you pick? Well, I better finish the bloody painting. I don't see if anyone claps. Oh, they're finished. <laughs> they're finished. There were, there were a couple of races in America that were. Yeah, it's back to back to Taleb. Get he, he talks about like the like his serotonin kick of like uh, whether you know you you're doing you're completing things or you because he was a trader, wasn't he? And it's like the serotonin and the the adrenaline of things of like it's, it's like where you get your kicks from, in it, I suppose. Yeah. Where's your poison? Yeah. But yeah, there were a couple of races in America that just. Um, yeah, you're running in front of a lot of people, and you you know the it's the team thing as well, and it? it's like the best race in my life. Shabazz, I finished second, and that was the best race of my life because I I won it for the team. I was like, put, it was about a point in it, you know. And I, was, uh, was that the moment yeah. without trying to be a psychologist? Was that the moment when you became less of an individual, more of a collective? Maybe, maybe, yeah, subconsciously, who knows? Yeah. And, yeah, it was, it was, oh. and being, a, being an athlete, did you get more girls that way? Yeah. Not, there weren't that many American girls that wanted to be with skinny athletes. They, were, they all wanted the uh, the uh, the quarterback, in it. Oh, right, the, the American... American football, man. Yeah. I just thought I'd, I'd be a mess if I didn't ask you that question, you know? Yeah. You know, on here. Because I'm like, you're in the prime of your fucking life and you're in America, you're by yourself. You must, yeah. you know, it must be falling all over you. I'll tell you what, Shabazz, I ended up with a girl from Oldham. What? In fucking America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. What were you, were you homesick or something? Come make this shit up, could you? No, you were homesick or something, then. Ah, oh, it's just chance, man. Chance. Oh, was right. it? She, she was on the women's team. Yeah. But anyway, is she still an athlete? Do you know? Oh, she's married. Married with kids in. In, in Saddleworth, I think now. Oh, but glamorous, the, eh? <laughs> the, the um, but the applause thing, yeah, see, that's interesting. With like as far as theatre goes, yeah. But um, again, it's the discussion of like you, you know, if you've had a good before, if you know you've had a good show, yeah. and the audience have, have got it, you know, it's 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 whether you whether you get addicted to it, isn't it? Yeah. Like playing to the gallery, whatever that means, and it's like it's not, it's not exactly genuine, is it? It's like what are you? No, but you could get you could get genuine applause if you've really yeah. moved an audience. Like for me, I know it's not about me, but, but for me, if, uh, when an artwork has done its job for me, is when it's it moved the audience, you know, emotionally. It's like yeah. gone. It's like garnered an emotion out of another fellow human being. That's yeah. when an artwork has done its job for me. Anyway, 
you know? Yeah. So that that's what what I think is important for me. It's not about how much money you make from it or this, that, or the other. Don't get me wrong, some of that shit's nice because it's needed, you know? But uh, mm. other than that, I couldn't give a shit about money because money is just paper, you know? What if one day, what if tomorrow we go to the shop and we try to give the shopkeeper a teller? The shopkeeper just laughs at you, goes, what the fuck do you want me to do with that? Wipe my ass, you know? One day we could just decide we don't we don't use that anymore. So yeah. like you look foolish then, don't you? It's like like the old wheelbarrows of money in in uh, Germany and it post First World War. It's built up. It's like yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. Uh, absurd. It's uh, absurd. And like just for the global audience, whether it be a whether it be a a pound, a euro, or or a rupee, or whatever, or a dollar. You know, it's still the same. You know, cabaret, cabaret, poundy and a book, a pound, a book, a pound, a book. Money makes the world go around. It makes yeah. the world go around. Yeah. yeah. So, for our last few minutes, is there anything else you would like to say on the record <laughs> to the well, rest of the hell. world? Hello, hello, hello. Is there anybody there? Huh? One, there thing, one thing I w- wanted to ask you is, when you were talking earlier, it was about uh, people being sick of David Lynch's paintings. I was going to ask yeah. you, do, you, do you ever get sick of seeing the sight of your paintings? Well, that's when they get painted over, yeah. Yeah, do you end up doing that? Yeah. If no one takes it off me in, in between it, when I think something's finished, if no one, yeah. Because I just think that's kind of interesting, you know, because cause people say time heals things, but time can also destroy things, you know? Yeah, so definitely. Definitely, Because, about. because uh, you you know this more than, better than anyone, I suppose. When you do a certain thing, you're in a you're in a certain headspace, and months later you're in a completely different head headspace. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the emotion thing though is like it's, an artist works with the heart or whatever. Yeah. As far as gender wars go, it's like you know how many how many sensitive artists are there? You know, it's like oh. Disney, like the sensitive ones get eaten. I think that was in uh, in Ice Age, watching Ice Age with one of my nephews. It's like, uh, you know, you let your heart go and you, you're vulnerable, isn't it? It's like, but again, Mark Fisher is like, he talks about Spinoza, like ignoring emotions only mystifies them, uh, putting them beyond the purview of rational inquiry. Yeah, but the minute you get into rationality, like it's like whether you can rationally, can you separate yourself from your emotions and rationally think about what you're feeling, or do you just feel because you you know, is it cause and effect? Yeah, how do you feel about letting yourself be 
be emotionally vulnerable. Are you, are you wary of that or are you okay with that? Yeah, I think, again, it's the cliche to say you get harder as you get older, but I think if you, you know, you don't want to be a stone. It doesn't seem to be about any emotional models. It's like conceptualism. Yeah. It's just, I remember seeing, going to the Detroit Institute of Art and seeing Castle drawing part of his blue period with a, with the crow. It's like one woman with a crow. Yeah. And again, I was only like probably 21 or something. It was like soft ass. Back to Hamlet and it's like the uh, hand of little employment had the daintiest scent. You know, he's talking about the grave digger. Yeah. It's like, how can it, how can he be, how can he be singing when he's digging, digging graves? So, and it's like, the hand of little employment has the dainty, half the daintiest sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just was reminded of a story that I was speaking to somebody recently and he told me where, when he was a little boy, he somehow ended up meeting A.S. Lowry, you know, when he was a yeah. little child. The tax collector. Yeah, yeah, he he somehow knew A.S. Lowry's accountant. His dad knew A.S. Lowry's accountant. So they ended up at A.S. Lowry's house. A.S. Lowry ended up inviting them to his house. And apparently his house was full of, like, paintings and pictures and stuff like that. And, and he was telling me this story. And he, he goes, I was just a little kid and I was showing him this drawing. And he came, and he goes, A.S. Lowry... From what I remember, when he was seven or eight, he was like, going, yeah, he was just a miserable bastard, you know, when he was alive. Yeah. And he was like, yeah. I showed him my picture, and he goes to me, son, whatever you do, don't become an artist. Uh, it's good encouragement, isn't it? Yeah, fucking uh, telling that to a six, seven-year-old. Yeah, ruthless, man. I was like, wow, that's... I just thought I'd share that story with you, because... Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's but, part, uh, that's like say it's like this. It's where the emotions make you vulnerable. Yeah, but you know a lot of people are just you know it's you just turn into a hard ass, isn't it? It's like you get hurt and you. It's not many people that keep their, their hearts open as as the life goes on, but it's whether it's whether you can. It's like your emotional center. Yeah. Find your don't lose your emotional center. Is that the last word you want to give to the audience? <laughs> no, feel, fucking feel, man. It's like, it's like, feels not real. It's like, it's, you got the man, all that manosphere shit, the same. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, as a man, you know, what, we're not even mentioned toxic, mas, mas, is masculinity toxic or is it toxic? Mas, yeah, I don't know. Keep a check on your emotions, man. Yeah. So uh, like are they good or are they bad in that in that sense? Because I think the more you feel, the better. But depends what you're feeling, doesn't it? Yeah. Because when you say keep a check on it, I don't know which way to take that. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's whether that's even a possibility. Like say Spinoza going on about rational inquiries, like you know, can you rationalize your emotions? Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's just oxymoronic. Anyway, I think I should say thank you now. Um, yeah. Sorry if it's sometimes gabbled, man. It's like I say, I'm a, can, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD, but I'm pretty sure I'm a bit ADHD, man. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm no doctor, so I don't want to say 
And it's good to good to see you. Good to talk to you, Shabazz, man. All right. Uh, goodbye, everyone. Stay in touch, man. Bye. Take care. Bye.